Uh, we're going to sing Be Thou My Vision. One of the most important aspects of worship is singing because it reveals the heart and it, it allows our heart to speak sometime in sorrow, but often in joy. So we're going to sing um, uh, Be Thou My Vision. And if you in your home uh, would like to sing, I would really think it'd be awesome in your home to praise the Lord. So we're going to sing Be Thou My Vision. <clears throat> Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life be thou my wisdom and thou my true word i ever with thee and thou with me lord thou my great father i thy true son thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only, first in my heart. I King of heaven, my treasure thou art. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven, joy, hope, bright heaven, sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever Still be my vision, O ruler of all. Let's pray. Father, we just take some time right now. Lord, um, we're uh, in a new year, and it, it means something to us, God, to be able to put some things into the past. And we'd really like to put 2020 into the past. We'd really like all of the obstacles now to be only a memory, and we would like to have opportunities today. And for this year, to make a difference, to be a light, to have an impact on this world, to turn it upside down once again. Coronavirus did it, <clears throat> and it did it for all the wrong reasons. Now I pray that as a church and as Christians around the world, God, we would do our, our job, do our best to, um, to bring light into this world, to give the gospel, to bring um, uh, the, just the good news along with the bad news that our sins are going to catch up with us one day and we need a Savior. I pray that God, uh, we as a church and as Christians would be faithful this year and that you would be our focus, you would be our vision uh, all this year. God, we wouldn't focus on the news, we wouldn't focus on the coronavirus, we wouldn't focus on anything that comes down the pipe. We just keep our eyes on you. Please bless this year. Please help us. Starting today, Lord, help us to set a new path, to go a different way, to to live differently than maybe we've gotten used to. 
I pray we'd be more passionate than ever because of Jesus. I pray that you meet with us today. We invite you now to be the Lord, not only of the universe, but be the Lord of this service. Speak to every hearer online and here. Lord, I pray that in no way would we be the same after we have heard what we hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Ah, well, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining with us this morning on the 3rd of January, uh, our online service. We have a new theme this year is walking through the word. Uh, there is no way any human could ever preach through the Bible in one year. Even if you preached every day and tried to preach on maybe a chapter a day, it just is a, a, it's a lifelong endeavor to learn and study the Bible. But we're going to take a journey through uh, the great concepts of the Bible and through some of the things that we need to learn about the Bible. It is, it is the most important, important influence in our life. As much as I want to be an influence on you, as much as I want to help people, I can help nobody. This book can. And so every time I get people together for church, any time that I teach on the, on the Internet, it's to get people into the Bible. So we're going to walk through the Word of God as a church. That is our theme for 2021. Uh, our theme verse, which goes right along with it, we have two scriptures to, to focus on this morning, James 1.22. And if you would, <clears throat> say it out loud with me. And uh, we'll say it three times. And we've got a second verse to do, so don't get tired of this. We're going to focus on Scripture. The Bible says, let's say it together, James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James 1.22. Again, James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James 1.22. Before we read it the third time, think about it. What was it that Christians at least were doing, and even some people just in church or whatever, what were they already doing? They at least were hearing it, which is very important. But don't be hearers only, the Bible says. We're to be doers. We're supposed to be living what we hear and read in the Bible. So we'll say it one more time. James 1.22 but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, James 1.22. So that is our theme verse for the whole year of 2021. We have a verse for January, which focuses on the very words of the living God, okay? And I want you to, we're actually going to learn this verse this morning in the message, but let's say 2 Timothy 3.15 together three times, okay? So we're going to try to focus on two verses this morning. Ready? <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.15. 2 Timothy 3.15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.15. Now, who is this actually written to? It was not written to Paul. It was written to a young believer named Timothy. And Paul's revealing the fact and telling, reminding him from a child. He, he knew, he grew up with the Holy Scriptures. And it was those Scriptures that made him wise, made him able, made him to understand salvation and it got him saved through faith which is in christ jesus 
How are you going to know about Jesus unless you read the Bible, unless somebody tells you the Bible? So let's say it one more time. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3.15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.15. Again, it's very important to be a part of a church, to assemble with a church, to, to serve in a church. But church doesn't save anybody. It's learning, hearing, believing what you, hear, what you see in the Bible that will save a soul. So we're going to focus this year on this book that changes lives. Okay, uh, I, I don't have it for you today. I have it next week. Um, all of our upcoming events and all the scriptures for all this year. I sent it out by PDF on, web, on WhatsApp last night. But uh, I'll have this for us, uh, for you the whole year. All the things that may or may not happen based on government rules and regulations. But Lord willing, and we need to pray because we're a church that's supposed to be doing the word, not just sitting and hearing it. So um, let's, uh, uh, let's look forward to, to seeing God open doors for us like God did with the Red Sea and with so many other things throughout Scripture. We do have two upcoming events that are usually every week, Wednesday from 7 to half 8. We have a prayer meeting, and you're welcome to be here for prayer. Uh, from 7 until half 8, and you can also join via Zoom. You want to know the Zoom uh, uh, contact information, email me, text me, and I will send you the link. Also, uh, so many people uh, need to be reminded, we come here at half 6 on a Saturday and set up Hoover. <clears throat> make sure the water's fresh in the tea kettle and, and uh, just make it so that it's ready for church um, uh, in case we're able to meet as a whole. But still some of us get together and it's just nice to make sure this place is, is, uh, is well kept. So, and then we follow by prayer time. So if you could come on a Saturday night, it's another prayer meeting. And it's the time that we pray for service. Again, as I say, if there anything good happens on Sunday, it's because we prayed during the week for that day. Not just by accident. It happens because people pray for the service. So come along at half six. I sure could use your help. Uh, tithes and offerings are given via the website. You can uh, 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 go to uh, the, the icon there on, um, on the website, biblevc.com. Click on that, and you can find out how to do it electronically or by PayPal, which takes from credit card. Da -da, all that stuff that I hate talking about because it's just, it's just supposed to be together. It's supposed to be you and God, and uh, you give. We don't even take up an offering here, man. But um, uh, you can, if you need to, you can drop off your offering at the church office during normal church office hours. Usually on Tuesday is the best time. And don't forget our missionaries on your little uh, envelope when you're putting in your offering. Make sure you designate some for our missionaries so we can be faithful to them. And so far, we've been pretty good. But I got to keep reminding you so that you don't back off and leave them hanging. Uh, we have a couple of birthdays. Uh, Shanaz, she's been... Uh, back home in Malawi, but she just got back the other couple of days, couple of days ago, and it is her birthday today of all days. And uh, <clears throat> then Fawaz, his birthday is on Monday, and then we have an anniversary. I think it's on Tuesday, is it? Yes, it's Tony and Dina's birthday is on the fifth. That's right, that's Tuesday. Yeah, so text them, tell them happy. I don't know how many years it is. How long? How long have they been married? Do you think? 41 years. Woo! Wow. Praise the Lord. That's how it should be. Okay. Uh, please silence your phone right now. If you're online and you're watching, please switch your phone off. If you're using your phone, <laughs> switch it on 
to uh, um, uh, so that it doesn't bother you, no notices or whatever, and open your Bible, and it is church time. I'd like you to take your Bible and go to 2 Timothy 3.15. <clears throat> the title of the message this morning, Knowing the Holy Scriptures. And it's a challenge to Christians to become, once again, a Bible-reading people. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3.15. We'll read it again. So we start, because we'll read it quite a, quite a lot during this service. But 2 Timothy 3.15. There in your Bible it says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want to talk to you about something we have taken for granted in the 21st century, and that is the Bible. And I say take it for granted because it's kind of like, oh yeah, big deal, when it should be, wow, yes, a big deal. Listen how important hearing and understanding the Bible is. Go to... Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. <clears throat> We're going to read down to verse 17. One of the most blessed scriptures to ever learn and to believe is found in chapter 10, verse 13. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on his name to save you. He will save you. Don't think that if you call on him to give you wealth, that he'll give you money. If you call on him to give you all the health, you'll, that's not what he's there for. You call on him to save you, and he will save. Verse 14 says, how then <clears throat> shall they call on him who they've not heard, believed? Sorry. How are you going to call on somebody you haven't believed on? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not even heard of? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Evidently, the Bible is incredibly important for a person to get saved. Go to John 6, the gospel of John, chapter 6. In verse 63, <clears throat> John 6, 63. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth, that gives life. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words, circle those two words, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. And they are life, as if to say they are spirit and they are life-giving. So the words give life. Matthew 4, 4. Matthew 4, 4. <clears throat> Matthew 4, 4. Jesus, under intense spiritual attack, incredibly weak and, and uh, tempted, to quit, tempted to just do whatever it would take to get out under the pressure. Verse 4, Jesus responds to the devil's questions and attacks, and he says, but he answered and said, it is written. He's quoting the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Well, how are you going to live? 
by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Evidently, every word of God is important. John 15, back to the Gospel of John. <clears throat> John 15 and verse 7. John 15, 7, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, there's his words again, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Wow. Seems like the word of God is pretty important there. And one more, John chapter 20 and verse 31. John 20 and verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Why was the Bible written? So that you'd believe that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, and that, by, and that believing you might have life through his name. Notice the written word of God is important. It sounds like these words are super important to hear and to have. The truth is you cannot get saved without a Bible. No one gets saved without a Bible. I hear of people who claim to have visions. They've never read the Bible, never heard the Bible, and yet they have visions of Jesus. They claim to get saved. They do not get saved. They're following a demon. People see angels. People see visions. Doesn't matter what you see, if you don't hear the Bible, faith cometh by hearing the word of God. <clears throat> you cannot get saved. Uh, well, any old faith will not do on judgment day. So, well, I believe this, and I believe it doesn't matter what you believe. If it's not in the Bible, it does not work. You'll never grow and become mature until this book becomes a source for your confidence and joy. <clears throat> Every trial you go through is God telling you you have to learn to live by that book. You're going to have to just trust God. You're going to have to just believe God. You're going to have to just wait on God just like Daniel did and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like Moses did. You learn, you grow, and you become maturity and mature as you learn to live by this book. You'll never get victory over your core sins. You know what the four core sins of the human heart are? Pride, bitterness, wrath, and lust. You can never get victory over those core sins until you saturate your thoughts and your feelings with these words. Your attitude has to be, your feelings and your heart have to be subservient to what you find in this book. Or else you'll never get victory over your core sins, and you'll never accomplish anything of value with your life until your life lines up with what God says is right and true and good. Now, you wouldn't think it'd be possible that in the 21st century, more people are actually illiterate about the Bible than ever before. I, have, I find that people are ignorant not only of God, but especially of his word, the Bible. A few years ago, a test of Bible knowledge was given to five different classes of unsuspecting secondary school seniors. And most of them failed the exam completely. Some were so confused, they thought Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers. They thought the Gospels were written by Matthew, Mark, Luther, and John. Others said that Eve was created from an apple and that the stories of, that Jesus used in teaching were called parodies and not parables. More than 80% of the pupils could not complete such familiar quotations as many are called, but few are. They couldn't say it. A soft answer turneth away wrath. These secondary school students couldn't 
answer simple things. If I asked your teenage son or daughter how many books are in the Bible, would they know? Do you know? If I asked why, why did God judge Sodom and Gomorrah, would they know? Do you know? If I asked them, how could Noah carry all the animals on the ark, would they know? Do you know? If I asked them, why did Cain murder his brother in Genesis 4? If I asked them, what does the name Jesus mean? Hmm, would they know? If I asked them, where do you find the Ten Commandments in the Bible? Could they find them? Could you or anyone in your family point on a map to where the nation of Israel is? Could you do it? Many of you, maybe some of you could, but the majority of Christians today in Europe are absolutely ignorant of the contents of this book. <clears throat> there's, a, um, there's a poem I found really appropriate. I thought I knew the Bible was the name of the poem. I supposed I knew my Bible reading piecemeal, hit or miss. Now a bit of John or Matthew, now a snatch of Genesis. Certain chapters in Isaiah, certain Psalms, the 23rd, 12th of Romans, 1st of Proverbs. Yes, I thought I knew the word. But I found that thorough reading was, diff was a different thing to do. And the way was unfamiliar when I read the Bible through. You who like to play at Bible, dip and dabble here and there. Just before you kneel a weary and yawn out a hurried prayer. You who treat the crown of writings as you treat no other book. Just a paragraph disjointed, just a crude, impatient look. Try a worthier procedure. Try a broad and steady view. Then you will kneel in very rapture when you read the Bible through. I thought that was powerful. Could it be that all our time has been stolen from us? I looked up a statistic last year in 2020 alone, 3.8 billion people regularly use some form of social media. That's more than half the population of the world. They watch Facebook and Twitter and TikTok. Every second, 11 people use social media for the first time. On average, people around the world spend 144 minutes every day on social media. That's average. In North America, 126 minutes. That's two hours and six minutes of every day. That's the average. In South America, it's three hours and 24 minutes they spend on social media. In Africa, it's three hours and 10 minutes. In Europe, it's one hour and 15 minutes. Over in Asia and Oceania, it's 136 minutes or two hours and 16 minutes. The World Health Organization estimates that if someone lives to be around 72 years of age, a normal person, I hope you're not normal, okay? A normal person will have spent nearly seven years of their 72, year, 72 years of life nonstop online on social media. That's a lot of time. Could it be that our time has been stolen from us? Could it be that maybe we're too busy? Now, I know you're busy. Okay, but can you not admit that maybe you're too busy? Another poem, again, too busy to read the Bible. Too busy to read the Bible and too busy to wait and pray. Too busy to speak out kindly to someone by the way. Too busy to care and struggle to think of the life to come. 
too busy building mansions to plan for the heavenly home. Too busy to help a brother who faces the winter blast. Too busy to share his burden when self in the balance is cast. Too busy for all that is holy on earth beneath the sky. Too busy to serve the master, but not too busy to die. You know, God designed us to interact with people, to talk to them, to listen to them, to learn from people. Schools have had to admit online learning does not work very well. It is best when you have a teacher, a mentor, someone who's there. Now, yes, the Internet has been helpful at times, all right? But the Bible is missing from too many schedules. It's not a habit for Christians in general to read their Bible at all. Except for the time when we come to church. Oh, I've got my Bible. Oh, I'm reading my Bible. This book is certainly not part of our education anymore. Did you know up until the 1960s, the book of Romans was taught in every major university, including Cambridge and Oxford. It was taught as a pattern of logic and reason. Did you know that Martin Luther said at the start of the Reformation, education without the scriptures will result in certain damnation? And he was right. Could it be that the Bible's out of date? Hmm. Well, if you believe that, you need to go back and read Revelation. Because in just one chapter, you find out in Revelation, you'll find out it's more up to date than the most advanced science books ever written. It's like reading tomorrow's newspaper. Worldwide pestilences that are crippling nations described in the book of Revelation. No more cash anymore, just buying and selling using numbers. The coming together of a one world religion. The mark and number being placed inside people's, inside people's hands so they can buy and sell. That's just from one chapter in the book of Revelation. The Bible's not out of date. You need to go back and read the book of Job. You will never find a better book on exploring the depths of human sorrow and the struggle with trusting God than in the book of Job. You will find advanced scientific revelations described in chapters 38 and 39 that'll blow your mind like being able to talk over lightning, fiber optics. Read the book of Proverbs because there are no wiser words than Solomon's about life and love and death and money, the mouth, <laughs> the heart, than you'll find in the book of Proverbs. People pay good money for courses and classes and seminars and conferences to learn what God has put into a single book that you can hold with one hand, the Bible. Folks, I believe we have been robbed of our time and we let it happen. I do believe we are too busy, but I do not believe the Bible is out of date at all. So let's make 2021 the year of the Bible. Make it the foundation of our church, our homes, our marriages, and our attitudes. Let's just do what the Bible says. The Bible says serve one another, then we serve one another. The Bible says to pray for your enemy, then we pray for our enemies. The Bible says go into all the world, then we go and we go and we go until all the world is reached. We've got to make 2021 the year of the Bible for the sake of our homes and for the sake of our nation. Let's get the Bible somehow. I don't know how we're going to do it. Let's get the Bible, not just little bits of it. Let's get the Bible into every home in Ballon College. So this morning, I want to start with just one scripture, one, our memory verse. 
where Paul tells, reminds Timothy of five facts about the Bible he held in his hand. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3 again. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15. 2 Timothy 3.15, five facts Paul reminded Timothy of when he told him about the Bible he held in his hand. Verse 15 says, and that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And the first fact that jumps out there is that evidently Timothy knew the scriptures. You say, oh, they were all cavemen back in those days. You know, ooh, ooh, ooh. They, 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 they couldn't read, they couldn't write. You are so wrong. People long ago were twice as smart as we are. They find that out when they go and they finally opened up the pyramids. You know what they discovered? Technology. They found inside those massive rooms inside, they found an air conditioning system that had no electronics, had no electricity, had no machinery, and yet it cooled the inner chambers to about 60 five degrees Fahrenheit or about uh, 14, 15 degrees Celsius. And it kept it that temperature, no matter how hot or how humid it was outside. They had designed a system that brought fresh air into those inner chambers where they buried their kings. Inside those chambers, there were paintings and, and there were hieroglyphics that were painted and there were no smoke residue on the ceiling. And yet they painted them on the inside of a darkened uh, room without fire, technology. They built those things perfectly aligned, perfectly organized, the three of Giza there, um, the, uh, uh, the technology to move 100 ton stones, 30 and 40 miles like they did over there, was it almost more, over there in Stonehenge, lining them up with the position of stars that 5,000 years later, they still are pointing to the same direction. So back then, Timothy had the scriptures. They had reading, they had writing. They were not ignorant. Now, look at what it says there. It says, uh, verse 15, from a child thou hast known. Now, known is a cool word, okay? I'll quote for you Genesis 4.1. Listen to this word. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Knew. You have known. It is, I'll tell you more about it in a second, but listen to Jeremiah 9.23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory, get excited about his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth, and here's the words, and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Get excited over the fact you know me. So the truth is, Timothy didn't just know about the scriptures, but he knew what the Bible said from cover to back. He knew them like you knew your neighborhood when you were a kid. When I was a kid, I knew every alleyway. I knew every tree. I knew every open window. I knew every dog, every cat. I knew every friendly neighbor and every grumpy one. I knew my neighborhood. If somebody said, could you walk three streets over and find so-and-so's house blindfolded, I would have said yes. Because I was outside every day. I rode my bike like I was never coming home. We drove, we drove, we 
we, we rode our bikes. We, we went everywhere. We looked for places we'd never seen before. If we, saw, if we saw somebody building a wall, we couldn't wait to get on top of it. There was just, I knew my neighborhood, and you probably did too. I hope you didn't sit inside your house like modern kids do today. And the Bible says we should know the Bible like we, used to, like we knew our neighborhoods. What does it mean when it says you have known? It means he read and he pondered the pages of Scripture all his life. Next verse says, uh, oh, go to chapter 2. Go back to chapter, one chapter. Chapter 2 and verse 15. By the way, as much as he knew, Paul said, you better make sure you know more and you keep growing. I've never read a book by the, like the Bible. I know people think I'm bragging, and, and I don't mean to brag. If I've read my Bible twice, I think it's a great thing. But as your pastor, I'm on my 42nd time through the Bible. And each time I read through my Bible, guess what? It's like somebody wrote it again. I find stuff in there I've never seen before. It's like somebody slipped in some more words. It's like I never saw that before. Needle will say, oh, I saw this in my Bible. I go, I never saw that before. <laughs> it is a living book, folks. You can't read it enough. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul tells Timothy, he says, keep studying. Study your Bible to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Never think you've learned enough of the Bible. The truth is, Timothy explored and discovered the words of Scripture. He knew all the writers. He knew uh, about Moses and David and Solomon and Ezra and Nehemiah and Job. He knew all the places in the Bible, like Jerusalem and Samaria and Judah and Bethlehem, Philistia, Babylon, Assyria, and Rome. He knew all the prophets. They were his heroes. He knew every word was the word of God. You see, the truth is this. Scriptures were never just for preachers. They weren't for the clerk. Uh, I asked, I've asked several people. It's been a long time since I've been able to ask this question. But I, I used to ask, I says, do you have a Bible? And when I came to Ireland, you know what? Most everybody said, yes, I do. It's over on the table over there. Or it's up on that mount over there. And I go, good. Have you read it? No, no, no. That's for the priest. I thought, well, that was interesting. So I asked a priest, do you have a Bible? Oh, of course I have a Bible. Do you read it? No, that's for the bishop. Now, I've always wanted to ask a bishop, do you read the Bible? Because I'm sure he'd say, no, that's for the Pope. <laughs> no, no, no. It was not just for the muckety-mucks up at the top. It was written for the common men, especially for kings and for all in authority. Go to Deuteronomy 17. Go to, go to Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges. I'm sorry, before Joshua. Matthew, Mark. Why am I starting? <laughs> Genesis, Exodus, Viticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 18. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 18. Watch this layout of Scripture here. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 18 says this, And it shall be, when you have a king, it says, When he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, oh, he's got all power. He can do whatever he wants. Okay, you can't take a king to court. The king is supreme, and he says, when he sits upon his throne, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests, the Levites. Get you a copy, make you a copy yourself of your own Bible. Verse 19 says, and it shall be with him. He's supposed to take it with him wherever he goes. 
and he shall read therein all the days. Doesn't say weeks, doesn't say months. It says every day of his life. He shall read therein all the days of his life. Why? So that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep, that means to obey, all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. Remember James 1.22? But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. King, you got, you're, you're supposed to copy, hand copy, your own copy of the Bible out, and you're supposed to read it and obey it and do it, just like every Christian is. Now, it's not really hard. I know most people say, is there a children's Bible that you sell, Pastor? And I go, yeah, it's called the King James Bible. Now, I know there are picture Bibles and there are story Bibles, but you say, well, my child, he just, it's too hard for them to know the scriptures. Did you know a three-year-old can learn to read? I know of three-year-olds that have learned both the piano and the violin. Six-year-olds can learn two and three languages at the same time when they're spoken to them around home and at school. You don't have to be 20 years old before you can read your King James Bible. As a matter of fact, if you start at 20, you're, you've lost almost all the opportunity for them to learn the Bible. They've got a lot of bad habits. That's why the Bible says here that Timothy knew the scriptures from childhood. By the way, by the way, both God and the world, every one of your unsafe friends ex expect us to know what is in this book. They expect you to know what's in the Bible. If you don't believe the words in this book, why call yourself a Christian? Jesus believed every word, didn't he? He's the one that said to the devil, man doesn't live on bread alone, doesn't live on pizza alone, lives on every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So if you say you believe every word, have you read every word? I'm not going to ask you. Maybe I should. Have you read your Bible through from cover to cover? Well, you know, I got to First Chronicles there, and it had 4,000 names in there, and I just skipped it. Don't do that. Every word of God is pure. Every word. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Truth is, it is a sin to be ignorant of the scriptures. Mark 12, 24. Are you listening? You say, well, pastor, I'm working on putting down cigarettes. Pastor, I'm working on, on my attitude. Are you working on your ignorance? Because you can't just say, well, I didn't know. Um, I, uh, I, was, I told you about, I was driving down. This was years ago. I was driving back from when, when I had the church up in, uh, uh, up in Mallow. And I was driving back to get, uh, uh, actually, we had, been, we had been to church in, in Blarney, sorry. And I was coming back home and driving on the, the, the side road from Claro back to Valencoli. And I was coming along there. It's nighttime. I'm clipping along at probably, I want to say, 70 kilometers an hour. And all of a sudden, I see these beautiful red and blue lights go out. <laughs> and I'm passing by, and I says, that can't be for me. I'm just going 70, you know. And he pulls up to Garda, pull me over, and I says, uh, any problem? He says, you were speeding. I says, I was not. <laughs> he says, this is a 50-kilometer-an-hour zone. And I almost wanted to say, well, that's a stupid amount of speed to put on this road. But anyway, I said, really? I didn't know. You know what he said? It doesn't matter. You're still guilty. Gave me a ticket. 
had to pay the dumb thing. I got, I don't know how many points, was it four points on your license or three points at that time? Ignorance is still no excuse. Uh, look at what Mark chapter 12 says, verse 24. And Jesus answered and said to them, do you not therefore err because you know not the scriptures, neither the power of God? Don't you sin? Don't you realize you err when you don't know the scriptures? Fact number two. Fact number two, Timothy had the scriptures. Now, that may be something you take for granted, but it is absolutely important for you to understand they didn't get lost, folks. Okay? Timothy is about, he's living, uh, first, second, uh, second Timothy is written sometime toward the end of, it actually is the last letter that Paul wrote. So let's say 66, 67 AD. It's 30 some odd years after Christ has died. It's about, at that point, a thousand years since David and 1500 years since Moses. What happened to the Bible? Was it being lost along the way? Was it, was it being corrupted? Was it, and it was, but was it ruined? Was, did he just have bits and pieces of the Bible? Did, could Timothy pick up something that said Holy Bible and know that it was the Word of God? And Paul said, you do have the Scriptures. And the way he had them was because his mom and his grandmother made sure he got the Scriptures. His parents did not think that he should learn about fairy tales like Tiernanog or Evolution or Harry Potter. Didn't just have bits and pieces of the Old Testament that he heard as stories. No, he had access to the entire Old Testament down at the local Jewish synagogue. That was the job of the synagogue. And that, that used to be the job of a church that made sure people had access to the scripture. In the old days, we're going back to the mid-1500s, when the Bible was finally getting published and printed, they printed something called the Great Bible. Now, it was great because it was big, and they chained it to pulpits. Now, some people freak out and go, it's had chains on it? Yes, it had a chain on it, so nobody would steal it. <laughs> it was worth a fortune, the cost of printing. For Gutenberg, Gutenberg, when they, when they had this movable print, it took them three years to make 190 copies of Jerome's Latin Vulgate. Three years to just make 190 copies of the Bible. So that was in the late 1300s. Here's the 1500s. The churches were open so people could come in. The Bible was huge so that people could see it. And, and it was laid out there and people sat there and listened to people who could read, read from the Bible. They heard the Bible. They loved the Bible. So Bibles were in every church. They were commanded by the kings put the Bibles in the churches so people could read them. Timothy had access to the Word of God. At that time, the New Testament was written, written Matthew and Mark. Luke had been written by this time. John's not going to be written for another um, 20 years or 30 years. But the New Testament was written book by book. So at the time of time, it must have been the most exciting time to be alive because when Timothy was alive, Copies of Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, along with copies of Matthew and Mark and Luke, were finding their way into every city and village and town and home. Where they loved the Bible. Timothy had the Word of God in his hands. Back there in 2 Timothy 3, 
in verse 15 and 16. I remember verse verse 15, but I want you to show verse 16 to see what he had in his hand. Verse 15, that from a child, Timothy, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What kind of scriptures were they? Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. He had all the inspired scriptures. He did not have the apocrypha. He didn't have extra writings. He had all the scripture given by inspiration of God. Not only did Timothy have the word of God, but also did the Thessalonians. Look in 1 Thessalonians. Go back a few pages to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In verse 13. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 2.13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Not only did Timothy and the Thessalonians, but also the Bereans, the Corinthians, the Philippians, and so on and so on. They just didn't have copies of copies of copies that had errors in them. They, God seemed to preserve his word. Why go to so much effort to inspire, breathe these words onto pages through, through holy men of God for them to be lost, buried, never found again? There's still people looking for lost gospels. There's still people looking for the lost books of the Bible. There are no lost books. They're all in one book. It's complete, folks. We have an inspired book that God gave the world in Hebrew and Greek. How many speak Hebrew? How many? Oh, shut up. How many speak Greek? All right. You know what God did? He preserved it into English for us. Isn't that, isn't that nice? In your King James Bible. It's as if you can speak Hebrew and Greek because it's just as good as the original. Question is, do you have your own copy of the King James Bible? Well, I got me a Bible. I've got me an... Uh, uh, a uh, CEV, the Contemporary English Version. I've got the HIV. I've got the um, um, I've got the New World Translation. Listen, get you a King James Bible and hunker down and learn it, because that's the only one that'll change you, folks. That's the only one that'll save your soul. Yeah, you can you can pick up somebody once described it this way. You can learn a lot of stuff from any book that claims to be the Bible. It's like finding a, uh, finding a, a two-year-old coin in the rubbish bin. Okay, so you found a truth. But is that where you want to go looking for truth in a rubbish bin? Wouldn't you like to find truth in the Holy Scriptures? Something that's holy from start to finish? Do pe can people tell that you read the Bible? I know if somebody's been watching the news a lot lately. Do you, can you tell if somebody's been watching the news a lot? Their fingers are gone. Their fingernails are gone. I can tell when you spend more time in front of RTE and in front of all Sky News and everything else, I can tell when you've been so influenced by the world. And I can tell, just like anybody else, can tell when you've been influenced by that book. Fact number three, Timothy learned the scriptures from a young age. Now, if you go to, go to, go to the right, go to 1 Timothy 1.5, or 2 Timothy 1.5, sorry, 2 Timothy 1.5. You see, in our modern day, 
We have something called single parenting, which has got to be the hardest thing to do. My mom raised four kids alone. Um, I know what it's like. And it's just amazing to know that Timothy grew up in a single parent home. His father was not there. I don't know if he had left. I don't know if he died. We don't know. But I want you to see 2 Timothy 1.5. Look at the influences on Timothy's life. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance, when I remind myself the unfeigned faith, the real faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. His dad was not a believer. His dad had no influence godly in his life. And so his mom and his grandmother made it their lifelong work to make sure that Timothy learned the Bible. I believe every young man should learn a trade, should go to school, get an education to live and survive in this world. I believe every young woman should go to school, learn everything that she can to be the best that she can, starting with home and wherever it may lead. But learning all that will only prepare you for this world. Learning this Bible is vital to living, to outliving this world. Does that make sense? Think about it. You want to do well in this world? Learn a trade. You want to outlive this world? Learn the Bible. The most important effort a Christian parent should do is to teach their children to read. I believe there's three or four things every parent ought to do. Number one, you need to teach your children to read. Number two, you need to teach your children to obey you without question. That is a parent's job. They need to trust that you are right and that you do things for their benefit, not because you're just, you know, uh, upset over the fact they're interrupting your, 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 your TV. But every parent has to teach their child to read, and I mean read. I've seen children in prams at one year, two years old, and what is in their hand? Not a baby doll, not a, not a, uh, a warrior, you know, uh, not, a, not Legos, but an iPad a phone, something visual that dumbs them down so that when you put a book in front of their, their face, they go, nah, don't do that. You say, well, it keeps them occupied. You know what it does? It numbs them. Deuteronomy, go to the left. Go to Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31, 12. When I was, oh, never mind. Go to me, 31.12. Gather the people together, men and women, and children, and the stranger that is within thy gates, invite visitors, <laughs> that they may hear, and that they may learn, and fear the Lord your God, and observe, we'd say obey, to do all the words of this law. Verse 13, and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as ye live in the land whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. Go to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 11. This is David. 
Psalm 34, 11. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Here is David, a king, saying, I need to spend time with children to teach them. He writes Psalm 78, he says, it's our duty, the older we get, to pass on to the next generations the fear of the Lord and the, the knowledge of the holy and, and what is right and what is godly and what is true. Matthew 19. Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 13. These weren't teenagers. Look at verse 13. Then were there brought unto him little children, and he should just put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked him and said, he can't be bothered with little children. Verse 14, but Jesus said, suffer little children. Not, not make them suffer, but you suffer. And forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He laid his hands on them and departed thence. So every child should, um, let me catch up, every child should learn to read, not so they can be great in their career, not so that they can succeed in a business opportunity, not so that they can be smart enough to, to you know, answer all, the, but so they can read the Bible for themselves. You say, that's not a very big deal. It is a huge deal because remember, Biblical ignorance is a sin, and it is a wall to getting saved. This book was written to all ages, all races, and all cultures. Ephesians 6 says this. You ready? Tell me who this scripture is written to. You ready? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Question. If I were writing the Bible, I would have said, parents, make your children obey. That's not what it says. What does it say? Children, you obey mommy and daddy. The Bible was written to children. Oh, what was this written to? Ephesians 6, 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Wait a minute. Sometimes the Bible speaks to children, sometimes to parents, sometimes to servants, sometimes to kings, sometimes to those who are dying. It's written to all cultures, all nations, all races, all ages. Do you know that Shakespeare, they added up all the different words that he used in his plays. He used 20,000 different words. He actually made up almost 500 new words <laughs> just for his plays. People would be sitting there listening and he'd say a new word. What does that word? And it, got, it was the talk of the town. He made up words as he went along for his plays. He was brilliant, okay? To be or not to be, that is the question. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. Love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Full fathom five thy father lies, of his bones are coral made. Those are pearls that were his eyes, nothing of him that doth fade, but doth suffer a sea change into something rich and strange. You want to know hard reading? Read Shakespeare. He used words that have never been used after, okay? Yet, the Word of God is used only six, has only 6,000 different words in it. Most of them are one and two syllable words. For God so loved 
the world that he gave his. Now he had a two-syllable word, only <laughs> begotten, three-syllable son. That's how the Bible was written. Aren't you glad? Isn't that awesome? He learned the Bible from a young age. The King James Bible is not hard to read unless you're lazy. Amen. When I first got saved, I didn't like the King James Bible. I was a Texan. Who talked like that, man? I thought I could do a better job at tree translating the Bible. I was just a new Christian. I went and I bought me a Bible, uh, bought me a book that says, uh, learn Hebrew and Greek. <laughs> Boy, did I learn real quick. I was stupid. And I started making my own copy. I, wrote, I copied out by hand five books of the Old, of the old and the New Testament. The book of Job. Uh, I copied out the book of Genesis. Acts. Hebrews. Uh, one other book. I don't remember what was the other book. I've still got them. I copied it out. Word for word, I was just mesmerized by, I thought I could do better. And as I started rewriting some of the scripture, I went, no, that's right. I, I can't say it any better. No, no, I can't. And by, just by accident, and just by, I was 17 years old, I came to find out this book is perfect. I started reading books on the King James Bible. I went to Bible college where everybody questioned the King James Bible and attacked it. And I didn't believe any of it. That, that it was perfect and it was a preserved word of God. But as I went and I was hammered by every different direction, I read every book I could. I came to find out this book is the perfect word of God. And as hard as it is for a Texan to adapt, I adapted. And I love the King James Bible. I memorize it. As a matter of fact, the best memorizers memorize the King James Bible. They don't memorize the NIV. They don't memorize the new versions. Not like they do the King James Bible, because it was written metrically to be memorized. Fact number four, the scriptures are holy. Now, you may take that for granted. I think all of these things we take for granted. But will you not admit that the Bible is different than every other book ever written? Holy means perfect, complete, pure, clean, separate, different, unique. Is God holy, yes or no? And in that same way, God is holy. The Bible is holy. It is not like anything else. That's why we don't, we don't make an image of God. We don't try to make a copy of God or a pattern. We just worship God because he's unique. He's a one of a kind. So this constant dumbing down of the Bible is satanic. Who wants to read a Bible that reads like the RTE guide, TV guide? I read the Message Bible years ago, and I drew, I drug this up. In the Message Bible, this is chapter 1 of, the, of Genesis. Ready? For this. First this. This is, how, this is how he starts off. This is one guy who wrote the Message Bible. First this. God created the heavens and the earth. All you see and all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. Okay. <clears throat> John 3, 16. Oh, that'll be good. Ready? This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. I like eternal life better. Amen. Hmm. There's a living Bible. And I hesitate to remind you that there have been attempts to translate the Bible into modern English. But this is one, 1 Samuel 20, verse 30. This is how he writes. He says, Saul boiled with rage 
And he cried out, you fool. Do you think that I don't know what you want, that you want this son of a nobody to be your king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? This son of a nobody, when he first printed it, and later on he ran it down as a footnote in the bottom, and he said this, the modern equivalent of what Saul was saying, you son of a bee. Do you really want your kids reading a Bible that reads like that? Is that what you kind of want to read? This one book I hold in my hand is holy, perfect, complete, and all we will ever need to know God, love God, and enjoy Him forever. It is more, listen to me, it's more than it too. Your Bible enables you and I to live peaceably with all men. You know what our government needs? A Bible preacher reminding them of their responsibilities according to the Bible. What, our, what every one of our TDs needs is to know the pages of this book because this book enables societies to live with one another, to be able to be at peace even with our enemies. So take good care of your Bible. Forget holy water. It doesn't exist. Forget holy fathers. They are a lie. Forget holy, holy pilgrimages. They are a waste of time and money. Treat this book like it is the cleanest, purest, most precious thing in the world. Because it is. Fact five, last thing. And it's the best thing. If you notice back there, would you go back to 2 Timothy? The scriptures change lives. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Say, what can a book do? Well, I've seen some books that made people cry. You ever seen that? I've seen some books that made people laugh. Joke books and things. But I've never seen a book that could change somebody's life like this book you hold in your hand. Look at what it says there in 2 Timothy 3.15. From a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Look what the scriptures did to Timothy. <laughs> it saved his soul. John chapter 6, don't go there for time. In John chapter 6, Jesus said unto his 12, when people were walking away, Jesus said, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Psalm 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Hmm. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. How are you born again? By the book. Well, people laid, on, I, laid hands on me. I met a guy years and years ago. He's still here in court. I asked him, how did you get, he said he was a Christian. I said, how did you get saved? He said, I was driving my car. And as I was driving in the car, lightning struck the car. And I heard Jesus say, trust me. And I said, okay. And I've been saved ever since. Wow. You know how you're saved? By believing the Bible. You're saved by the word of God, not by lightning. <laughs> okay. Not by laying on the hands, not by a new. I was in a church before I got saved. We were in a charismatic church. And my mom was desperate to get us to go to some place where we were accepted. She was a divorced woman. And so she was sitting in a church and I'm sitting in a room and everybody's swaying kumbaya, singing around and around for hours hypnotically. I never got saved. Music doesn't save, folks. It's the Bible. You're born again by the word of God. It saved Timothy. 
it made him wise than all his teachers. Go back to Psalm 119, show you something. Psalm 119, <clears throat> in verse 98. Psalm 119, 98. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Wow. For thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. Evidently, it made the Bible makes you smarter than all your teachers. You know, I, there's nothing wrong with getting good education, being challenged in any type of level. You can get a PhD, you can get two PhDs. All of that, you can learn your trade, you can learn a career, you can learn all that. But at the end of the day, their knowledge only goes so far. This book takes you into realms that psychiatrists, psychologists, scientists haven't even dreamed of yet. It changed his entire life. Think about it. <laughs> Timothy was never the same after he got saved, just like you weren't. It made him into a preacher of the gospel. You know what the hardest work in this life is to do? What I'm doing right now. It is the hardest and the greatest work any man could do. Timothy had become a pa the pastor of a massive church in Ephesus. And for the rest of his life, he's supposed to have died in 97 AD. So for the next 30 some odd years, Timothy pastored a citywide church and he faithfully preached and taught everyone the same Bible that had saved and changed him. Scriptures change lives. So here's the best reason to read your Bible every day because it changes us as we read. Go to 2 Corinthians. Two more scriptures, and we're done. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians 3.18. I want you to put a star by this. Because this is one of those scriptures that make you want to read the scripture. Second Timothy 3, verse 18. But we all, with open face. Open face means you, you have nothing, no mask. Open face, there's nothing covering your eyes, no blindness. Everything's off and out of the way. It's just you and the book. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, like a mirror, we are beholding the glory of the Lord as we read about the glory of God and the works of God and the will of God and the, um, the, just the truths. We are changed in the very, into the very same image. So wait a minute, as you read your Bible, what can you trust? You're being changed into the same image that is in this book. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's not because words are changing you. It's because the Spirit is using the Word of God to change you. Absolutely breathtaking. This book is not just information or history or science or wisdom. It is life-giving. It is eternal life-giving. And I find the world doesn't want to be changed. Every politician says, we're going to go and change, you know, the government. We're gonna... You know what? All they want is to just get into power. Nothing ever changes. People basically just want to be accepted. They don't want to change. You tell somebody, you need to get right with God. Ah, does God accept me as I am? Yeah, but he won't leave you as you are. Everybody wants to be left alone. 
But this book can transform anyone who will read and believe it from sinner to saint, from lost to found, from filthy and wicked to fresh and wholesome. It'll make a faithful man out of a liar and a sluggard and a scorner. It'll make a godly lady out of a harlot and a loud, angry woman. Isaiah 55, 11, you don't have to turn there, but it says, so shall my word be that goeth out forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. That book is going to do what God designed it to do. If you'll just read it. Some scriptures aren't going to make an effect on you. It'll make an effect on somebody else. He wrote that book for everybody. You got to find what, what speaks to you and let it speak loud and clear and it will change you. So what are you going to do with the book? Real quick, get one. Get a physical copy of the Bible. How many of you have a Bible on your phone? Amen, amen. Don't use it. <laughs> That's only for absolute, the worst situation where you just don't have your Bible with you. Get you your own physical copy of the Word of God. That's the greatest treasure. Timothy couldn't carry around his Bible with him. You can. Timothy had scrolls. You have pages in a book, and it's all together. Nice to have it all on computer and on phones and stuff like this, but get you your own physical. I know people who are 15, 16, they've never owned a book in their life. Shame. It is, it is, it is, everything to them is virtual. They need to see pen and ink. Read it. Say, well, I don't understand it. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Guess what? I don't either. Gavin, I'm reading through. I'd say there's 60% of the Bible I don't understand. Mark Twain. As we read the Bible, it'll work. It just does. As you read through, it is something that just washes you, and you learn, and you pick up. It's like driving. When I drove uh, with my mom and my, uh, to my grandparents' house, it was two hours away. I had no idea where we were going. But we'd go about twice a year. And when I got 16, I got my driver's license. I wanted to drive to grandma's house. And guess what? I remembered much of the way because I had been down that path several times growing up. And as you read the Bible, it will become more clear because you've been through it. It just does that. Read it. You say, well, how do you read it? Read it out loud. I think it's, I think it's um, uh, one, of the, one of the hardest things for our brains to stay focused because we've got so many distractions. So read it out loud. Get you in a place where you can just read it out loud because faith comes by hearing listening like it's written to you read it every day is eating a priority you mean do you eat every day do you read do you eat every day it's not a trick question don't sometimes know <laughs> eating is a priority habit sleeping is a priority habit make reading your bible a priority habit when douglas MacArthur, he was a general that took back uh philippines from from japan he was asked what books he liked to read. He said, believe me, sir, 
Never a night goes by, be I ever so tired, but I read the word of God before I go to bed. I find that our grandparents knew more of the Bible than our children do. Be hungry when you open it. Bible's not just words on a page, it's food for the soul. And so many Christians are starving, they don't even realize it. Read it with the goal of finishing in one year. That means you got to read three to four chapters a day. You just have to do it, preferably in the early morning, because the rest of the day you'll catch up and you'll be too late at night. Just start your day with the Word of God. Read it with the goal of finishing it. Read it to know what is right and wrong. You know, God's laws have not changed. Sin is still sin. Right is still right. I imagine that many Christians really don't know what is right or wrong anymore. Would you agree? Guess what? A man and a woman living together is still wicked and wrong, and God would judge them, the Bible says, for not getting married. Amen? And I guarantee you, people 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years old do not know it's a sin to live together and not be married. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And probably the most important reason, thing to do with your Bible is read it to know the author. Somebody said this, the Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author is present with you. Read it to get to know him. I'm going to finish. It's up to you, though. I can't read the Bible for you. It's something you yourself have to do. And if you won't read it, there's no help in you. Okay? If you don't read it, because only those that read and hear it can be saved and changed and fit for heaven. If you neglect this book, it will cause you to miss everything that God has for you. Oh, you may neglect your family and do your business and make lots of money. But let me tell you, neglecting this book, you'll never experience all the things that God has for you. If you haven't started yet, start in Matthew. It's only the third day of, of January. Start in Matthew. Start reading three or four chapters a day. Just stay at it. Finish all the way to Revelation. And when you finish Revelation 22, go back to Genesis and come all the way through so that by next December, at the end of December, you will have finished to Malachi and you read through your Bible. Make sure you believe every word, though. I mean, when the Bible says something fantastic, go, wow, instead of, I don't know if I believe that. No, it's true, my friend. And if you will study it out, you'll find out how awesomely true it is. So will you stand with me and will you bow your heads in prayer as we get ready to sing. Heavenly Father, the hardest thing to do is to speak to Europeans about reading their Bible because we take it for granted. There are many people in this room and people online who have probably had some of the best preaching and teaching. They've read books. They've had all kinds of knowledge about the Bible. But I fear the majority are not Bible readers. We leave that up to someone else. Europeans are, are, are big about moving on and post-Christian living. May we never get outside of, of the fundamental reading our Bible. This year, God, for this church, I'm going to make sure that we make the Bible a priority. We're going to walk through the pages of this Bible and, 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 and see what we've been missing, maybe. 
And, and Lord, it'll bring sanity back to our homes. It'll bring sanity back to our lives. And it may just save our families. I believe, God, what, what Balancholic needs is the Word of God. I believe Cork needs the preaching of the Word of God. It's by the foolishness of preaching this book that you've chosen to save sinners. And in this room, online, today or another day when somebody's watching this, there probably would be somebody who's taken the Bible for granted all their life. Maybe they were taught some things. Maybe they went to children's church or Sunday school when they were a child. Maybe they heard some things, but never let it sink down deep into their heart. Never believed it. Now's the time. They need to believe it. They need to believe that Jesus came into this world. The living word of God became the, became the, the son of God, spoke the word of God so that anybody and everybody could get saved and born again into the family of God. Maybe somebody will do that today and ask to be saved. It made sense to me one day, the penny dropped, 17 years old. I wish I had gotten saved. I wish I had learned all this when I was much younger. It would have saved me from a lot of headache, a lot of scars. Lord, I pray you'd save a lot of people today, a lot of families, because we're going to put the book back in the center of our life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. We're going to follow him. We're going to be people who read and love this book. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home, you are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling all sinners, come home. He's calling still to this very day. But I don't know how much longer he's going to wait. I don't know. Wouldn't you like to be able to go to heaven and the Lord say, did you read my book? And you say, yes. I loved it. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that, right, uh, workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You have no need to be ashamed if you've read this book. Father, dismiss us. We go home. May every person who heard these words realize what they hold in their hand may be just a book to the world, but it is the Holy Scriptures. It is the Word of God. Young or old, we need it like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. God bless you.